0: The Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit returns to London on April 25th for a solution-driven look at the sustainable business and finance landscape, looking at the latest trends in ESG regulations, supply chain innovation and transition finance. Speakers include leaders from CDP, Emirates Environment Group, TNFD, c COA and more. Summit advisors include City and Schneider Electric. Visit bloomberglive.com slash 2024 to learn more.
1: From the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, June 23rd. Coming up today...
2: The search for the missing Titanic sub comes to a tragic end.
1: Global stocks are on track for their biggest weekly decline in three months.
2: Janet Yellen says the risk of a U.S. recession is
1: receding. And Citigroup has a warning for employees on office attendance.
3: A section of I-95 that collapsed in Philadelphia reopens today. Plus, Congressman Santos slams a judge for revealing the names behind posting is Bond. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead.
4: I'm John Staschauer in sports. A lopsided loss to the Yankees. The Mets tonight visit Philadelphia. They held the NBA draft in Brooklyn.
3: That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts.
2: Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today.
2: First, we begin with a tragic end to the search for that submersible that was exploring the Titanic. Rescuers have found the nose cone and other debris from the vessel known as the Titan. Coast Guard Rear Admiral John Monger says the five people on board are dead. In consultation with experts from within the Unified Command, the debris is consistent with the catastrophic loss of the pressure chamber. Rear Admiral John Mauger says they're going to keep collecting information to determine the cause of that implosion. Bloomberg News has learned the U.S. Navy detected the implosion on Sunday at the site where the Titan lost communications. A senior Navy official says a decision was made to continue the search and rescue to make every effort to save lives.
1: Well, Nathan, we turn now to the nation's capital, where geopolitics and foreign relations are in focus. It was a red carpet welcome for India's prime minister as Narendra Modi met with President Biden at the White House yesterday. A joint press conference was followed by Modi addressing Congress. Amy Morris has more from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. President Biden and Prime Minister
2: Modi announced a series of defense and commercial deals designed to improve military and economic ties between the two nations during yesterday's state visit at the White House. Later, Modi made a rare address to a joint meeting of Congress where he stressed the importance of democracy.
0: The beauty of democracy is the constant connect with the people to listen
2: to them. At least 70 lawmakers called on President Biden to address human rights violations in India. Still, Modi was met with applause on Capitol Hill. The evening ended with a state dinner at the White House. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thank you, Amy. At that joint news conference with Prime Minister Modi, President Biden also addressed relations with China answering questions about this week's comment where he referred to Chinese President Xi Jinping as a dictator.
0: We had an incident that uh, caused uh, some... Uh, some confusion, you might say. But, President, but Secretary Blinken had a great trip to China. I expect to be meeting with President Xi sometime in the future, in the near term, and uh, I don't think it's had any real consequence.
2: Although sentiments from President Biden do not appear to be shared by China, a spokesman for the Chinese embassy says the president's remarks were, quote, erroneous, absurd, and irresponsible.
1: Well, we turn to the markets now, Nathan, and we're seeing global stocks head for their biggest weekly decline in more than three months. Concerns over higher interest rates appear to be the catalyst. At the same time, we're getting a positive outlook from the Treasury Secretary. Janet Yellen says the risk of a U.S. recession is declining. We get more from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner.
2: In an interview with Bloomberg News, Yellen said the odds of recession, if anything, have gone down. That's because of a tight labor market and inflation coming down. When it comes to consumption, Yellen said we probably need to see some slowdown in spending in order to get inflation under control. She said the core measure of price increases is quite high. Yellen also said we could have a lovely debate about what the inflation target would be, but this is not the time for that debate. Fed Chair Jay Powell has rejected the idea of entertaining a change in the 2 percent target sentiment he reiterated before Congress this week. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thank you, Doug. Speaking of Jay Powell, the Fed chair's wrapped up his semi-annual testimony to Congress. and Yesterday, saw Powell weighing in on the banking crisis. He says Wall Street's biggest lenders may have to increase capital requirements by 20 percent. The capital requirements will be very, very skewed to the eight largest banks, the GSIBs. There may be some capital
0: increases for the other banks, and there won't. I don't, I'm not. I think none of this should affect banks under 100 billion.
2: Powell made those comments before the Senate Banking Committee as he wrapped up two days of congressional testimony.
1: Sticking with the banking sector, plenty of other news to catch you up on this morning, Nathan. BlackRock says it's cutting staff. The firm says it's shifting its budget to support critical priorities. BlackRock says the move will affect less than 1% of employees.
2: And Citigroup's ramping up its push to get its workers back in the office, Karen. The firm's telling managers to let staff know they will face consequences if they don't comply with office attendance policies. We get the
0: details from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Sources tell Bloomberg while the vast majority of staffers are following the firm's rules for hybrid work, the moves are focused on those employees with persistent unexplained absences. A source says managers will consider compliance with the rules when rating performance and crafting pay packages. Citigroup is widely seen as to be among the most amenable financial firms when it comes to flexible work arrangements following the COVID-19 pandemic. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: All right, Charlie, thanks. Well, another big bank has made a settlement involving litigation over Jeffrey Epstein. J.P. Morgan has agreed to pay $290 million to settle a lawsuit, alleging it knowingly benefited from Epstein's sex trafficking. The deal has been okayed by the lead plaintiff, but must still be approved by a judge. Last month, Deutsche Bank agreed to pay $75 million to settle its Epstein-related lawsuit.
2: And a settlement's been reached in the first U.S. Zantac cancer lawsuit. British drugmaker GSK has reached a deal with the man who claimed the drugmaker's heartburn medication caused his cancer. This is Bloomberg. And now it's time to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and
3: around the world. Good morning, Michael Barr. Good morning, Nathan. PennDOT says the temporary lanes of I-95 will reopen today in Philadelphia. Crews have been working 24-7 since the portion of the interstate collapsed on June 11th. Transportation Secretary Mike Carroll reached out to Ricky Durst at the Pocono Raceway to see if the state could use its dryer to keep moisture off the road. It is a
2: jet engine. It's going to blow out at 1,400 degrees Fahrenheit about 3,000 pounds of force. As the secretary says, it's
0: buckled into a Chevy Silverado, so it's a little bit of a Frankenstein thing.
3: PennDOT says during the asphalt paving, there were concerns that rain would hold up repair crews. A judge has blocked Wyoming's first-in-the-nation ban on abortion pills before it was set to be implemented July 1st. Several states have banned abortion outright or restricted access to abortion pills. The ruling comes just ahead of the one-year anniversary of the Supreme Court essentially overturning Roe v. Wade. Embattled Congressman George Santos is slamming a judge for revealing his father and aunt, were the ones who co-signed a bail bond to keep him out of jail
2: my whole thing around keeping the sureties secret was for their safety because of the death threats i get i can handle that i ran for public office they did not they're private citizens one's a united states postal worker
3: the other one's a painter a request granted to unseal court records revealed the Long Island Republican's father and aunt co-signed the $500,000 bond that enabled Santos's release as he awaits trial on federal charges of fraud, money laundering, and theft of public funds. Prosecutors in New Mexico filed a new charge against the armorer on the set of the movie Rust. Hannah Gutierrez-Reed is now accused of evidence tampering related to narcotics in connection with the fatal shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. The FDA is doubling down on banning e-cigarettes. It's warning store owners to stop selling fruit and candy-flavored vapes saying they pose a danger to young people. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan? All right, Michael, thank you. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update with
4: John Hour. All right, Nathan, the Yankee game pretty much over before the Yanks came to the plate. They were already trailing Seattle 4-0. Mariners then scored twice in each of the next three innings. It was 10-0 until... And Isaiah Connor for left, a two-run homer, bottom of the ninth. IKF had pitched a perfect top of the ninth. Mariners won 10-2 to avoid getting swept. Yankees host Texas tonight. Mets are in Philadelphia. They had good success with the Phillies last season, and they swept them a few weeks ago. But since that sweep, the Phillies have gone 13-4, and the Mets have gone 4-13. and The Jets back in March acquired veteran safety Chuck Clark from Baltimore. He tore his ACL. In all-season practice. He'll miss the season. Can Victor Wembanyama live up to a tremendous amount of hype? Nineteen years old from France, seven foot four, best NBA prospect since LeBron James. Drafted first overall by San Antonio, and focusing on
2: team goals. Some players have tried to to win the, the championship, win a ring for years, and haven't made
0: it. And I wanna, I wanna, I don't wanna be one of those. You know. Uh, so yeah, this is the, this is gonna be my my, my goal. Is gonna be to to get closer
4: and closer every time to, to the ring. Charlotte with the second pick took Alabama's Brandon Miller. Portland followed with Scoot Henderson, who played in the G League. And then Houston and Detroit in consecutive picks took twin brothers, the and Oscar Thompson. The Nets back-to-back first-round picks took Noah Clowney from Alabama, then Duke's Derek Whitehead. Another big NBA trade. Chris Paul now goes from Washington to Golden State for Jordan Poole. Travelers golf near Hartford. Denny McCarthy leads by two. Rory McIlroy trails by eight. But McElroy had the first hole-in-one of his pro career. John Stachan with Bloomberg Sports.
0: Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work... because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L dot com. Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE.
5: Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now.
3: From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager.
2: With the explosion of chat GPT over the past year, companies are looking to implement artificial intelligence across their businesses. But what will the future look like with AI in it? OpenAI CEO and co-founder Sam Altman joined our Emily Chang at the Bloomberg Technology Summit. They discussed existential questions about AI and what should be done to regulate this powerful technology. Let's listen in to part of that discussion now.
6: There's many ways it could go wrong, but we, we work with powerful technology that can be used in dangerous ways very frequently in the world. Um, and I think we've developed over the decades, good safety system practices in many categories. Uh, It's not perfect, and this won't be perfect either. Things will go wrong. Um, But I think we'll be able to mitigate some of the worst scenarios you could imagine. Um, You know, bioterror is like a common example, cybersecurity is another, like many more we could talk about. But the main thing that I feel is important about this technology is that we are on an exponential curve, and a relatively steep one. human intuition for exponential curves is like really bad in general it clearly was not that important in our evolutionary history and and so i think we have to given that we all have that weakness i think we have to like really push ourselves to say okay gpt4 you know not not a risk like you're talking about there but how sure are we that gpt9 won't be and if it might be even if there's a small percentage chance of it being really bad like that deserves great care
0: and If there is that small percentage chance, why keep doing this at all? Like, why not stop?
6: A, I think that the upsides here are tremendous. The, you know, opportunity for everyone on Earth to have a better quality education than than basically anyone can get today. Um, That seems, like, really important, and that would be a bad thing to stop. Medical care and what's, I think, going to happen there uh, and making that available, like, truly globally, that's going to be transformative. The scientific progress we're going to see, I'm a big believer that, like, real sustainable improvements in quality of life come from scientific and technological progress, and I think we're going to have a lot more of that. So, there are all the obvious benefits, and you know, like, I think it'd be good to end poverty. Like Maybe you think we should stop a technology that can do that. I personally don't. But we got to manage through the risk to get there. I also think, at this point, given how much people see the economic benefits and potential, no company could stop it. But global regulation, which I only think should be on these, like, powerful existential risk-level systems, uh, global regulation is hard, and, you you, you know, you don't want to overdo it for sure. But I think global regulation can help make it safe, which is a better answer than stopping it. I also don't think stopping it would work.
0: Let's talk about the global regulation. You've been around the world meeting with regulators. You met with President Biden and the CEOs of Microsoft and Google. And you're calling for regulation, but with some caveats. The critics say, it sounds like you're saying regulate us, but not really, or that you are calling for regulation in public, but lobbying for something else in private. How would you respond to that?
6: We're pushing for it in private, too. I mean, obviously, like, we have some opinions about the ways to do it that'll be effective and that would be ineffective. We, for example, don't think small startups and open source models below a certain very high capability threshold um, should be subject to a lot of regulation but also we think it is super important that as we think about a system that could be at a risk level like you were talking about that we have a global and as a coordinated uh, response as possible so we've been talking about that publicly privately I think it's really important you know you could like point out that it's we're like trying to do regulatory capture here or whatever but I just don't I think that's like so transparently, intellectually dishonest, I don't even know how to respond.
0: You have an incredible amount of power at this moment in time. Why should we trust you?
6: Um, you shouldn't. You've known me for a long time. Um, public talking, like I'd rather be in the office working. I, I, but I think at this moment in time, like people deserve basically as much time asking questions as they want. And I'm trying to show up and do it. But more to that, like no one person should be trusted here. I don't have super voting shares. I don't want them. The board can fire me. I think that's important. I think the board over time needs to get like democratized to all of humanity. There's many ways that could be implemented. But the reason for our structure and the reason it's so weird is we think this technology, the benefits, the access to it, the governance of it belongs to humanity as a whole. If this really works, it's like quite a powerful technology and you should not trust one company and certainly not one person